0: Welcome to Holy Shit We're Alive. I am your host, Doug Cartwright, and every week I'll be sharing my ideas, thoughts, and insights that will inspire you to look at the world differently and possibly change some old paradigms holding you back. Hopefully by sharing my stories with you, you you'll be able to step into the highest, most authentic version of yourself so you can fully maximize your life and your human experience. Welcome to another episode of Holy Shit, We're Alive. I'm your host, Akari, and I'm with one of my favorite people, a longtime friend, Mr. Jimmy Rex. Jimmy, thank you for coming, being on the show.
1: Dude, holy shit, I made it on the podcast. Holy shit, you (laughs) made it.
0: Um, Jimmy's been a long-time friend of mine. So Jimmy, um, I pulled this quote from your website before you came over because I feel like it totally embodies the Holy Shit, We're Alive. And so on your main page on MrJimmyRex.com, it says, welcome. The purpose of my life is to share my tremendous love with all of God's children by bringing happiness to others through my playful soul and by being an example of living an
1: extraordinary life. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the shit we're alive. That's my life purpose. I, uh, I actually repeat that to myself every morning. Yeah. So I've got that ingrained in my soul. Um, and that really directs me. When I, you know, when I lost my faith and was trying to figure out what this life was all about, it took me a long time. And then I came up with that at a Tony Robbins event date with destiny. And, um, it just, as soon as I said it, like once I kind of got it all together, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's everything I want my life to be. And so I use that to really all my values are in that quote and it directs me in what I do every day. And one of the main things that's in there is playful. It's one of my favorite things is to be playful because you can't be playful and angry, playful and sad, playful and mad. Like it's such a beautiful state to be in. And then just to live to live an extraordinary life in every way. So yeah, man, that's that that's means a lot to me, that quote.
0: Yeah, when I read that, I'm like, that's totally Jimmy. Because even when I first met you, I mean, when we first became friends in the like 2010s, like you were just so outgoing and playful and kind of taking charge. And it was just like, wow, like Jimmy, you've, you're kind of the guy. And um, it's been fun to watch your journey, you know, the last, from my perspective, for the last, you know, 10 or so years.
1: And you mentioned your faith crisis. Would you, would you use the word crisis? I wouldn't use the word crisis. No, I would. Because um, for me, I mean, we can get into that if yeah. you want to or whatever. Yeah. But um, I mean, I was, you know, the church that I was raised in was everything to me until it was nothing. Mm. Um, but it does leave you in a spot once you kind of get to that point where it's, I was literally 100% like, this is everything that this world is. And then I was the point where it was 100% that's not what it was. And that left me in a weird spot, trying to figure out what that meant, what my life was all about. And that's why I say it. Thankfully, though, I kind of say like, I don't like the word use the word crisis because yeah. as hard as that was, I had every advantage somebody can have going through that. I was single. I'd never made any huge life decisions based on my faith that would forever be there with me, right? Like I wasn't married. My friends that seemed to leave the church and, and get bitter, a lot of them married somebody they wouldn't have or they chose a profession they wouldn't have or they made life decisions they wouldn't have or now they're stuck in a situation and that wasn't me. I had, you know, a family that supports me no matter what. I had a ton of friends that were in similar situations and I had the financial means to actually take a lot of time of like step aside and figure out my life like i actually spent like from the moment i went from i remember the first time i kind of questioned something i said
0: when was that like, uh, was it something specific
1: um well i got when i was 31 when i turned 31 i got kicked out of a singles ward and i, I was at arizona State. Was, it was that school. just because you were too old or yeah because it was too old and okay. so the rule was if you're over 31 you can't be in the yeah. ward and i remember they kicked me out and they were kind of mean about it to be honest and i i just said to the bishop i, I exactly said to him i said look I'm not going anywhere. My testimony is strong enough. But if you talk to my friends this way, like they're never going to come back to church. So maybe just don't be a dick about it. What did they say? Um, He literally was like, well, if you trust God, you'll trust this is the right decision. Like they were just really just mean about it. And I was like, look, I'm only down here for four more months. I was going to school at Arizona State. And by the way, you're on that campus. There's a lot of side boob. There's a lot of midriff going on. Like I was doing everything you can do to keep myself like straight and narrow. And I was doing a good job. And uh, when they told me that, like, well, you can't come to this warning where we didn't know you were 31, I just said, I said, look, God doesn't care what church I go to, what time I go. He just cares that I'm going. And honestly, the church is just wrong on this. And uh, he's like, well, you know, this comes from the top and this is what they want you to do. And I just, I, I literally said to myself, I'm like, how can the church be so confused on what God truly wants from his children? Like, this isn't, that's not the God I believe in. He doesn't care. If I go to that word, I get like, you got to have parameters and everything. But I said to him, I said, this is the only church in the world that tells you where and what time you need to go (laughs) everywhere else. They just glad you're there. And anyway, I said, the church will prove in time that this is not accurate, that this isn't the right way to do it, which it has. Um, and anyway, and so like, you know, it was that kind of opened a door for me of like, why doesn't God understand me better? And then I was like, wait, God does understand me. And I'd like, I'd always kind of been true to myself, but I was like, why doesn't the church understand this better? And I was like, well, I need to be open to the idea that it's not the only path to reaching God.
0: Was that scary for you? Because I remember that the, was fir- the first time I thought as, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, was that like, was wait, as,
1: whoa. yeah. That was as far as I could get myself to think was I need to be open to the idea. And what I said is I said, you know what, if I'm going to be in this church and really lived my whole life for it, which I was at that point. When I was 31 years old, I was still a virgin. I'd never touched alcohol my whole life. Like I've really done the thing. I did my mission. And by the way, I was happy. Like, it wasn't like I was this miserable member of the church. Like I I really enjoyed my life. I was, I was in a good place. Um, and you know, and I give a lot of credit to the church for helping with that because in my twenties, when a lot of people party, and I tell anybody this, if you work your ass off in your twenties, the rest of your life, you're going to be working from an advantageous point because you get all these, you get a leg up on everything. You have investments before everybody else. You have uh, influence. You have relationships. So I'm very grateful. Like when I speak about, you know, being successful, I talk about it. I say, go find a picture of me in a club or a bar in my 20s and I'll pay you a thousand bucks. They don't exist. I was working so hard and keeping myself on the straight, you know, as far as like a, a focused path. And for me, that works really well to set me up for my thirties and everything that my life has kind of become. So I don't discount any of that, which the church helped me a lot with that. Um, what happened with me is I am always trying to progress. I'm mm-hmm. always trying to better myself. This is sure. the story of my life. I have a life coach, a relationship coach, a real estate coach, I have a shaman. I've got, I mean, I've got all these people in my life that I pay to tell me what I need to do better or to show me my blind spots. and everything else and I I'm always a student of learning and all the time that's what I'm doing I read 50 to 100 books a year I listen to podcasts non-stop I'm going to really put a lot of effort into it and inside the church what I realized about that same time the shame and the guilt of like I was crushing life but I felt like a failure because I wasn't doing it the way they told me I should be doing it, which mostly was just being married and having a family. And people are always asking when you're going to do it, when you're going to get your life together. And it's like, um, I'm crushing over here. Like looking back, I just want to give that guy a hug because it was like I was doing so many things right, but felt like a failure really. And uh, But I was honoring my heart too, because I didn't feel like I should have just got married like a lot of people around me had. And anyway, so in that space, I'm like, all right, I'm no longer progressing as a member of the church. I need to kind of look and see if there's something more to it. And I just said, if I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, I need to know what it is I'm doing. And so I decided, I said, I'm going to spend the next two years without making a decision on this, just studying everything I can. And that's where I say I had all these advantages because I got, you know, I had time to do it. I was studied probably 800 hours of the church, mostly church related material, but a lot of non, and as sure as I was. 800 hours. Oh yeah. Dang. What'd you find? What is, I mean, all the things. What, that you what find, was the you thing? Know.
0: What was there like one thing where you were like,
1: whoa, Um, there wasn't any one thing that was like, well, because I was always a student, like I'd read under the banner of heaven. I'd read rough stone rolling ahead of all this, like before this, um, I was open to reading things that, you know, the church didn't necessarily want you to. Um, there wasn't any one thing, what it was to me was an emphasis on over and over again. It didn't feel like the leaders of the church were inspired by God. They kept being wrong about things and they just didn't seem guided by God, it felt like a bunch of men trying to do their best. Like, I don't think there's this evilness to the church or anything like that. I think it's good men trying their best to do good things. I really do, um, for the most part. Um, but I just think they just did they weren't necessarily had this, like the church was, you know, one of the temple questions was, do you believe this to be the only true mm-hmm. and living church on the earth? And it was like, there was no way I could possibly answer that yes, after doing the research. Sure. Too many times they've gone back, you know, and, there were some pretty damning quotes from some of the apostles and prophets about black people and blacks in the priesthood. And, and, um, you know, and I think the same thing's going to end up happening with, with gays here, you know, pretty soon they're going to allow them into the church and there'll be all this confusion around it, but it's, it just was very clear to me. And I just said, I said, if, if the leaders of the church can be wrong about this many things, why do I need them? Mm. Like, why do I need them to guide me to God? And I said, I just think I'm going to try to find God without the, inside of a religion and I studied religion itself as much as I studied the church and there's a lot of things religion does to, they make the the um, Punishment for leaving very severe both socially um, both eternally, right? Like I mean the 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 wording around leaving the church is very damning And so it makes it very difficult for somebody to look outside of or to leave and I realize that people's identities are very much attached to the church itself. That's why I never attack the church anymore because I offend a lot of people. You're offending
0: offending their identity. Yeah, and I don't ever want to do that. I don't want
1: anybody, like my sister came to me and she's like, hey, we have a lot of questions here. And I said, hey, go figure it out on your own. Like I don't want, like I said, honestly, most people are better off not leaving. And I actually still believe that. I think that the church can provide for a lot of people because a lot of people, they just need to be told what to do. And for the most part the church is a pretty damn good way to live if you actually abide by the principles they teach. Right. I mean, meditation is like temple worship, Um, fasting. We know that's great for you. Tithing. It's like all these concepts like help you to um, control yourself and your body and and your world around you and to take um, ownership of it, you know, to be charitable and loving. Like most of what the church teaches at its core is very good. So I tell most people like, Unless it's no longer working for you, you're probably better off staying there. Yeah,
0: I love asking people, I'm like, hey, someone wants to have religion talk with me. First question is always, if I could prove without a shadow of a doubt that the church is not true, would you want to know? And usually
1: people are like, no, I wouldn't
0: want to know. I'm like, cool. And there's no, there's I mean, no I mean, point in the conversation. That. And yeah. I, I to this
1: day, I've never had a, I've had one half conversation with somebody about the actual, like things I learned the when I said, stu- yeah, the doctrine uh, that was pretty damning. Um, But that wasn't why I left, dude. I just got to this point where I said, I can see the church as a net good, but it's not like the only way God is put on the earth to follow him, to find him. And I just knew that. And so I started looking on my own. And that's when I discovered, it was as if I was like looking at a map, the best way I can say it. And I was like, I see everything. I'm like zoomed in on this map, right? And I can see everything. I'm like, you guys, I don't need to look at anything else. I see the whole map. It's right here. I'm getting the whole picture. And the map was the church. All of a sudden, somebody grabbed my head and they pulled me back. Right. And I realized the map's a hundred times bigger than I thought, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, there's all these other pathways and other ways to reach God and to me it's so beautiful because it's like i still think that the LDS church is a way to find god like look at the person that it made me like i'm just being honest like most of the good things about me i learned those principles in the church so for all the bad that the shame and the guilt some of these things where it kind of really damaged me that i've had to do a lot of work around um, look at all the good it did my heart and all these things that made me want to be a giving charitable person and love others and be kind and all these things what have i found that without the church i don't know but i did with it so i give it the credit And I don't need the church to be wrong for me to be right leaving the church. Like if for me, both things can be true for some people, for a lot of people, the church is a beautiful way of like living their lives. And I want them to have that for me, I'd quit progressing. So I looked outside of it and oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did because the person I am today, I'm a, I'm a much, much, much better person in every way than I was those last few years as a member Mm -hmm. of the church.
0: How would you, now it sounds like you've kind of found a deeper relationship with God now. Much right? much deeper, yeah. How, what is your definition of God? Is it a guy
1: in, in a beard with a beard and a robe so, or what is it? Yeah, no, it's you? a beautiful question. So to me, um, I don't know. I'll start <laughs> with that. I think one of the most beautiful things that we can say is I have no idea, yeah. right? I'm like open to the idea that I don't need to know. And that's kind of a cool concept in and of itself. I will say there is an energy, call it God, universe, karma. There is an energy to the universe And it's all connected. So everything that you put out, and this is the cool part about life, is everything you put out, good or bad, it doesn't matter if it's in darkness or in light, because everything you put out is going to find you. Because it's all connected. So when you litter on the ground but nobody sees, I'm sorry, but that's like a negative in your little book to the karma of the world or the energy of everything, right? If I'm rude to somebody or I put a negative energy out, that's going to come back and find me. And we actually have the ability. This is one thing I believe is... We have the ability, just one person, to up the frequency of the entire earth if we live a certain way. So like I do a lot of things trying to start movements or trying to cause huge effect because if I can vibrate that out, if I can change the frequency of hundreds or thousands of people, like what a beautiful thing. Like look how much Tony Robbins or Gary Vaynerchuk even or some of these guys have upped the frequency of the entire earth with what they've done, right? Some of these amazing people or look at how much damage um, somebody can do when they lower the frequency. Like one of the things that I had a tough time because I, you know, I politically, I'm a libertarian, but I lean right on a lot of issues because I do think when we take personal responsibility, our lives are going to be better. And I think that there's a lot of speech on the left where they try to make you feel like a victim and feel like you need the help of the government and others to live a great life. So I've always leaned more of like, government stay out of my way. Like, you know, the libertarian joke is, I think that my lesbian neighbors should be able to protect their plant weeds with guns. Like that's a perfect way to describe how I feel about the government, like stay out of our business and let us do our thing. That being said, um, you know, like so Trump, for example, and this was a huge issue I had with him was he lowered frequency of the universe, like by being negative and by putting these bad things in there. And I liked a lot of what he did. I truly liked a lot of his principles. I thought he was on the right path with a lot of that, but he lowered so much the frequency of the earth by being a jerk or by being rude or being a bully that ultimately everybody started being bullies and then both sides started being bullies. And it's like, look, I just wanted that to stop and wanted that to end. And so for me, one person has that power to truly change the entire frequency of the earth. And that's what I think is God or universe or, um, I don't think it's a man, but I think it's a intelligence that gets, yeah, I, I everything. always tell
0: people, I always tell people there's, I believe first off for me to comprehend God, there's no way. Like my human brain has capacity, specific capacity to understand the true nature of creation is beyond our human brain. And so I would say that I believe in, like I said, I don't know if it's a guy. I don't think, I don't think it's gender. I think it's okay to call it a guy just for the sake of like, but I don't think it's a guy either per se. So I say, I believe in a grand cosmic intelligence that's infinitely more wise than me that loves me beyond comprehension
1: yeah and what's been really cool has been able to feel that love yeah. right of the god or whatever I, I call it god whatever yeah to feel that love so it's an all-knowing all-loving god mm-hmm. that much i know for sure that much i'm willing to, to bank on and what's cool about that is when you feel that and you realize like oh my gosh like God knows everything that's going on like it just gives you a power or a little bit of a like hope I guess for like greater things I feel and I tell people this I feel like my life is guided I've always Mm -hmm. felt guided I feel like God is guiding me it's protecting me and I'll tell you one quick experience I when I was in high school um, this is when I felt the love of God for the first time where I knew like wow this is something special or different um I, in high school my parents um, I found out my senior year of high school my dad just came clean one day admitted that he'd been cheating on my mom for 20 years on and off and it was, I mean talk about getting your world shattered right wow. and uh, go on my mission come back parents are separated we're trying to figure it all out they decide they're gonna get a divorce um, well then they get talked into instead going on a Mormon mission <laughs> from their <What>? state president <laughs> literally it was pretty wild but to the credit of it like it actually went really well my dad is an amazing man in so many ways um you know, who had made some mistakes and, um, he, uh, got back from the mission on the mission he, I and mean, he's very outgoing, very, um, energetic guy. And I think he, you know, he helped a lot of people, brought a lot of people back to the church, was part of this ward where he was very well accepted, comes back to Utah and it's like, oh, there's dad, you know, like he's kind of dipshit that, you know, cheated on mom still like this thing's never lost. Anyway, long story short, he goes back to, um, Florida, he ends up cheating on my mom again. Mm. And he lied to me about it. So I didn't talk to my dad for two and a half years. I was like, to me, it was, I was 25 or 26. And I was like, you know what? I don't need this guy in my life if that's how it's going to be. So I just pretended he was, didn't exist for like two, two and a half years. But I was praying to like somehow forgive him or find some kind of forgiveness for him for what had happened. I wanted my dad back. my wife, He was a great dad most of the time. Um, and I wasn't unaware of this. And I was praying one time and I just had the feeling just call him and, and go to lunch and uh i have to go to meet him for lunch and i've been praying and i was literally my prayer was to god help me understand my dad like love him how you do that's literally what i was asking for and I'm, i'll never forget it was paradise bakery over off 106 south and i pull up i'm walking up and i see my dad and i know it was like we call it a download right in the energy space like i got a download or whatever it's like a voice or whatever but and it just said i'm going to show you how i see your dad through my eyes and it was, I see my dad, it was the most overwhelming, crazy amount of love, pure love for a human being that I've ever felt in my life. And I just started bawling. And I realized like, oh my gosh, this is perfect love. Like my dad is loved this way by God, which means God loves me this way, which means I can love my dad this way. And just completely understood what Mm -hmm. godly love felt like. And from that day forward, I just realized like, wow, like, God loves us perfectly. We can't earn his love. We can't screw it up. Like God just loves us perfectly. Oh, no. You can't earn it. You can't get to a higher kingdom. You can't get to a higher level of God's love. He just loves us perfectly. And you really can't screw that up. And, um, and God loves us enough to let us determine our own lives. And that's where I say like, and all those things come into play. And so the good that we do finds us back and but that was a really special experience and I'd never felt something like that in my life. How did that
0: change your relationship with him?
1: Oh, I mean completely. Like from that day forward, you know, I um, my dad still had, you know, bless his heart, the things that made him my dad or whatever. And But, you know, you start to humanize somebody and um, you start to realize like, wow, like this is not this horrible human being. He did a stupid thing. But then you kind of start to, like understand him a little more and like he was dying for affection, right? Like he wasn't getting that doesn't excuse the behavior, but at least makes him human. Like I get it. Like I've seen enough of my friends make mistakes or people that I love where you're like, yeah, I get it. Or I've made my own mistakes. And, um, it just kind of humanized him to me. And then, uh, you know, and, and to this day he doesn't have a relationship with a few members of my family. It's been like, 12, 13 years. And like, by the way, like the punishment he's had to go through for what he did, it just doesn't fit the crime in my opinion. So I've really tried to set up a, a more and more relationship. And then I actually had an experience just to kind of take this full circle, I guess, since this is where we went with the, the podcast here. But about two and a half years ago, I had my very first experience doing psychedelics.
0: And before I get into that, yeah. I just want to say, we'll dive right into it. How ironic is it that where we are right now, right below us, I don't know. There's the Aubergine restaurant. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember four years ago, 2017, after I had my first experience, we went to lunch and I told you my whole experience. And I remember you looking at me as I had lobsters crawling out of my ears. <laughs> well, in my defense, you, <laughs> you sounded crazy that day.
1: But uh, yeah, no, I've, I've had to learn how to talk about plant medicine yeah. in a yeah. way that doesn't scare people because it's so sacred and so special to me. And misunderstood it sounds like drugs, right? And so that's the tricky part, right? And it's so opposite. You actually retweeted something today that um, plant medicine and psychedelics is the opposite. It's actually the enemy of drugs. Yeah. If you're you're
0: pro-psychedelic, that makes you anti-drug. Anti-drug, absolutely. Like,
1: yeah, no, I'm like appalled by like actual drugs, right? Like after doing this because it's so sacred. Um, and I'll tell you my first experience, and for me, I've met with, you know, you talked about that day. I kept hearing about it in Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss, some of these other things. And then one of these – a buddy of mine is one of the most respected humans I've ever met. This guy I go undercover with and uh, and you know he told me about it. And it was actually – he heard about it from a book I gave him for Christmas, ironically. Um, I gave him Tim Ferriss's book, The Tools of Titans. Cool. And that's where he learned about plant medicine. And he goes, dude, if you want to do something that will change your life, you need to come do this. I'm like, you've got to be – I literally was pissed because I'm like, dude, you're doing drugs. He's like, <laughs> laughing. He's like, it's not. Yeah. I was like, I have to do it now because I know like how special this is if you're telling me because you right. wouldn't tell me this if not – I remember the first night I ever did, I was so nervous. It took me four months to build up the courage to even go to, because I didn't, I didn't like marijuana. I've never touched any other drugs. Like, yeah. um, I was just like, gosh, am I really about to do this? And I remember I did it and about halfway through the night, I, uh, I had this experience, you know, that had to do with my dad a little bit. And I realized that like, um, that, how much i kind of felt the pain that he has around everything that's going on he hasn't been in our family's lives i do these lake pal family trips every summer and he's not there i took the whole family on a cruise you know he wasn't there like he's really missed out on a lot over the last decade and and i kind of started feeling this pain that he's had and i was like wow like he's hanging on to a lot of this so i called him up which you're not supposed to do when you're in the medicine but I Wait, just, you
0: called someone on medicine
1: yeah i called my dad my first time Shit. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I I had to, dude. Yeah. I was like, it was strong, strong impression to do it. And I called. It was like ten o'clock on a Friday night, you know, under yeah. the clouds. And uh, I said, I said, I said, hey, Dad. Uh, I was just thinking about you, and our relationship was good, but it was still had a layer that needed to come off, you know. And I just said, look, Dad. Um, I know you beat yourself up over the things that you did wrong, but I want you to know something, Dad. Like, I love my life. And a lot of it is because of the way you raised me and everything that you did as a father. And I just want you to know, if you're going to keep beating yourself up over everything you did wrong, you need to start giving yourself credit for everything mm-hmm. you did right. And uh, he just started bawling He's just like, it's the best thing a father could hear, you know? And I just said, like, all right, well, I love you, dad. And, um, since that day, our relationship's been perfect. Like, it's been mm-hmm. amazing. And I can see my dad is, you know, he was a broken man. And, but he's like, he tries so hard and like, gosh, I, I you know, I mean, I've seen some of the darkest corners of the universe going undercover and doing some of these things. And um, man, I had it good growing up. That's all I can yeah. say now looking back. Like he tried, you know, damn, yeah. that man was trying his best. And so it's really cool. It's gotten me to a really a beautiful space where I can look at everything objectively and just appreciate what he did as a father.
0: Yeah, I love that. And would you credit, you know, plant medicine to building a relationship with quote unquote God?
1: Yeah. And you know, I always felt like I had a strong relationship with God, even when I actually like was going through my like faith transition. Mm. um, I still felt close to God. Like I still felt like I was guided. I felt like I was on the right path with it. I, I said, God, if you understand me, like you can appreciate how hard I'm trying to find you right now. And I knew that God appreciated that. Does that make sense? Totally. I didn't feel like he felt like I was betraying him by looking. I was like, you would want me to search until I find what works. And so I always felt, even when it was like went against the faith that I was raised in, the religion side of it, I felt like God understood and like wanted me to find myself. Like he really was like encouraging me to do it. And so, um, so I never felt like, you know, I always felt like I was guided. That's the best way I can put it. And I, I still feel that. I feel like I've been guided. And so I feel like the relationship with God. I mean, once you start doing plant medicine, you start understanding like, wow, the energetic connection, the energetic piece, right? That of all this, it's like, like when somebody walks in the room, that's a bad energy. You can feel you it feel without like, turning you know, around. Yeah, what know. is that? That's the energy. That's God. That's the universe. That's all this. And I mean, on plant medicine, you know, those stuff is magnetized by a hundred. And I've had so many experiences where people are lost or they didn't know where to turn, and through plant medicine they find it. And it's like I literally—I have, I mean, call me the you know the facilitator guy or whatever—but I've probably introduced over a hundred people to it now, and every single one of them has had this beautiful experience where it's helped their lives in one way or another. You know, I got a buddy that from Colorado that was literally um, killing himself. I mean, he was a suicidal, and I, I went out there to try to help him and. Um, and he discovered plant medicine and he is thriving right now. Like he's doing so well. And like he credits it to these things he learned going through, you know, through plant medicine and, and learning to love himself. And that's what the same with me is that learning to love yourself where you're not trying to be lovable, you're not trying to be enough. You realize you just are. You're able to live in such a different way. And and so for me, it's a very sacred thing. And that's why I don't mind talking about it. And I have I had a brother get mad at me just in the last month because I'm openly speaking about doing psychedelics and plant medicine. He's like, well, it's illegal. It's a schedule one drug. And I'm yeah. like, I get all that. But if you study why the government did all that, you're yeah. going to look at it differently. And, but I don't care because I know my truth. I know what it is. I know how sacred it is. It's so special to me. It's helped me with my relationship with my mom, with my dad, with, you know, any, all these other people in my life. And, and so for me and with myself, honestly, you learned to love myself as much as anybody. And so for me, um, I'm willing to talk openly about it and share my experiences, but yeah, I mean, you can't do it and not feel closer to God, I would right. probably say.
0: yeah, whatever, whatever that word is to you. Yeah, and I would say similar, like I, I don't feel like I had a relationship with God before I got into this the space. And you know, after just my my first experience ever, I was like, holy shit. I remember like when I first broke through and had this overwhelming love of God, it was actually funny. My first phrase was like, holy shit, the hippies were right. You know, the hippies <laughs> were fun. right. They were right. And uh, yeah, and I relate a lot to do. And just all of my relationships, family, friends, siblings are so much deeper and more enriching uh, due to the help of, of plant medicine. Well, and what it's
1: done for me is I no longer care what people are doing. I just care how they're doing. That's mm. been the difference for me from yeah. religion to plant medicine. Um, and that's made a huge difference, obviously.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Have you had, um, you know, cause my, my relationship with climate changed after I had like the psychotic trip from hell breaking point. Never thought I was coming back. Have you, have you dabbled in the, in that space yet?
1: I've never had a journey or an experience where I went to a really dark place. I've yeah. never, I've had, um, I've never even had like a tough journey if I'm being honest. But, like I've had experiences where I'm like, Oh, like I had, a, I did, went to Costa Rica and did some ayahuasca, I did three ceremonies down there in Costa Rica, and two of them were really difficult nights. But even in the moment, as you're just going through this, I mean, probably two of the worst nights of my life, I guess, but I guess I've had these experiences. But in the moment, I was still so grateful for it, like the lessons I was getting. One of them, I'll just tell you real quick, one of my big asks going down there was to learn to be more empathetic, Mm. like just be able to feel people's pain and be more empathetic towards them. And I'm down there and I'm in this ceremony. And, I mean, you basically drink this, they call it a tea, but it's really like Mindful. if you were to mix tar with chewed tobacco and syrup, that's pretty much what is sitting in your gut. And I remember I just felt awful and I was just like, I couldn't even move. I just think of the worst flu fever you've ever had. And you're just curled up in a ball, just like when you're sitting over a toilet, throwing up that pain, like that's what I was going through for hours. And I remember as I'm feeling that the voice or whatever, it was just like, get up and dance. I mean, there's no way in hell I'm getting up and dancing. It's like, get up, suck it up. And I'm like, what the heck? And it's like, see, this is when you tell people to just suck it up or to just work through it or be a man or whatever saying you want to attach to some telling somebody just have more mental fortitude. This is how they feel emotionally. You don't get because you've never felt this now get up and dance so you can feel how hard it is for them to actually pick themselves up in that mm-hmm. moment. I'm like, shit. So I get up for like four seconds and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I get the lesson. I'm like, wow. It was so powerful to like feel that. And like, cause I've never felt depression. I've never felt anxiety. I've never felt, um, I, I really have never felt this negative that a lot of people get in our lives. I just have it. And, and, you know, bless my heart. Um, but in that moment, I understood them finally. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, Like, of course they can't just suck it up. Of course they can't just yeah. pick themselves back up, you know? And it's like, it really helped me to understand that I need to be more empathetic towards people that are going through real pain.
0: Yeah, everyone I've, I've really communicated with that has done multiple journeys. <laughs> At one point or another has the empathy journey mm-hmm. <laughs> where you learn to not only be empathetic To those around you, but to yourself, Mm. right? And the way you learn that is usually a pretty difficult lesson. And so, you know, I always tell people, like working with the plants. I mean, the bottom line is it just makes you a better human.
1: Well, yeah, it always. I always say this: it doesn't give you what you want; it always gives you what you need. Right. And so, be careful. You know what you you wish for. for, Be careful what you wish (laughs) for. But it's like every time we do it, you know, you leave and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I just went through that. I learned that lesson or whatever. And it's just a really cool way to keep expanding and. Um, and it's one of those things too. It's funny because it's like people are like, well, is it addictive? It's like, not at all. You don't want to do it. Like if you know how hard it is. Yeah. Like when you go through it, like you can have some beautiful nights, but a lot of it is just like lessons learned. And it's like, it's hard to explain, but it's, that's why it's not addicting. Like, you know, you're not like craving these things ever. I always tell people I hate ayahuasca ceremonies. I hate that. Bro, it's been a year. I, I've been asked to go to several and I haven't gone like, no, yet. Like, no, it is not addicting. No, my body literally like recoils when it thinks of yeah. the experience. Like it's yeah. like, oh shit, are we doing this? Like, yeah. I
0: just did one two weekends ago and just the whole time going up I'm like, I can't wait till this weekend's over. Like I know I'm going to get incredible breakthroughs and incredible ideas, which I did, yeah. but there's always just that relief and I'm like, okay, I'm so glad
1: I'm done well, with this. Dude, I had, the, I had lunch with a buddy the other day and I introduced him to the medicine about a year and a half ago. And I actually ran into into him in the airport. And he goes, you know, you saved my life, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no. And I was just laughing. He goes, no, I'm dead serious. Like, that day you invited me to that journey. He goes, let's go to lunch next week. I want to tell you about it. And so he's telling me about it. And he was literally, like, long story short, a lot of things were going on in his life that he wasn't, shouldn't have been doing. And um, he was suicidal. He was about to literally off himself, he said. And and he said he went to that night just like as a Hail Mary, kind of hoping. And he said that through that experience... He was, long story short, able to con- reconnect with his wife, talk to her about what had been going on. And like, actually what was crazy is the wife already knew and she had, he just wanted, like, she just needed, like he needed to tell her and like actually trust that she would like understand him. And he goes, I never understood what true love was until I told her and knew exactly. She already knew it all, but she just loved me. And then from there, he ended up doing an ayahuasca retreat and he had the most beautiful breakthrough. And. Um, but it was like the hardest thing ever. Like they literally were carrying him on the floor, like trying to revive him almost thing. Like, yeah. and then all of a sudden he said he had the next four hours were the most peaceful thing. Got to talk to anybody he wanted to that dead or alive and just really be able to understand all these things. And, um, but he told me, he goes, bro, he goes, I cannot believe where I'm at today versus where it was a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. He goes, he goes, if cause he saw that some people were coming after me on Twitter about the fact that I posted, I did plant medicine. And he's like, you know what, dude, if anybody ever gives you crap, he goes, just know that for what it's worth, you saved my life. Cool. I was like, Special. you know what? I don't need any more validation. I didn't anyway. Like, I know what it's done for me and everybody else, but like, so many people have had these experiences, and they truly do bring you to a spot where you, you know, you get called out on all your shit but for so many people that's exactly what they need Yeah, they're so afraid to do it. But when your ego's out of the way, it's actually pretty beautiful to experience the love that's behind that. Mm -hmm. You know, what we think people will think of us versus what the reality is. Yeah. It
0: always takes you to that deep, dark closet, you know, (laughs) that one thing in your life you don't want to look at, you know, and then it brings it up and it forces you to deal with it. Yeah. And it's really, I always tell people like two of the most difficult nights of my entire life, like ever were on plant medicine. And, uh, but man, the other side. So well, I, always, I always tell
1: people tread lightly. Well, here's what I tell people I say, look, whether you want to look at it or not, it's screwing you up the same. Yeah. So you might as well look at yeah, it. That's yeah. the way I say it.
0: Yeah. I'm at a point I don't ever want to push people into that space because it's just like, no, know, I, don't, I listen. I don't know what's in your closet and that's coming out. And I don't, I'm not, I won't take any responsibility on that. But for those listening, like if you do feel called to the work, I mean, it's,
1: beautiful beautiful work yeah and that's what i tell people is like if that's why i talk about it because then all of a sudden people if you feel called to it you know like you know some people you can contact or whatever and if it's not then don't worry about it yeah Yeah, (laughs) it's it's definitely
0: it's definitely not for everyone i'll say that yeah definitely don't think. but it's 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 like like
1: an age thing too right like i one of the things that's like one of the gifts of my life is i truly believe that like this stuff um Alcohol, for example, like I used to see alcohol as a pure evil and now it's like it still has some huge names But if done the right way like I didn't start drinking till my mid-30s Like it's a very different experience than if I'd been drinking in my teen years, right? So it's like I would never want my nieces or nephews to start drinking like it would be horribly damaging to them and so it's like how do you balance this like I don't want them to ever feel shamed or guilty if they do. But at the same time, like I want them to understand like this isn't something for you at that age. I really hope you understand that you should wait to do those things if you choose to do them later because it does stunt growth and it does stunt how you deal with emotions that you can make horrible decisions that affect your life in a lot of ways, right? There's these things... But like done the right way, like it also can be a very beautiful thing to have a drink with a buddy and all of a sudden you neither of you is front and you're just able to actually have some deep conversation and get to a place where you couldn't otherwise. And so... I don't know. It's like all these things are tools that can be so positive, but you do have to treat them the right way. Yeah. And I would I, say it's, I,
0: it's not the thing, it's the relationship to the sure. thing. Sure. Right? I mean, look at an
1: axe, right? It's a perfect example. You can use an axe to build a house, to chop mm-hmm. down wood, build a fire, and stay warm, save your life. You can use an axe to take someone's head off. Yeah. Like everything's a tool. The words we use are tools, like right? the books we use are tools. Like everything is a tool that can be used for good or evil, depending upon how you then use it. And the, the same thing with, Plant medicines and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and
0: it sounds like you've taken a lot, you know, especially in the empathy piece. And you've recently started this new trend on Instagram that's hot. Everyone's got on board the hundred dollar tip challenge. Yeah, the hundred dollar dinner club. Yeah, dinner club. Tell tell us about that.
1: Yeah, man. Well, it's you know, like with the pandemic, and I I'm part owner of a restaurant in Las Vegas called Moss Porfavor, and we got we had to close down for a couple of months, and I've seen firsthand, you know, like the restaurants just the whole pandemic like the idea of shutting down restaurants was so stupid to me like kids sports and then the restaurants were the two things that i just never thought made sense there's ways to do it where you you, you could but they got hit so hard and so i've been thinking of ways to kind of help out and dave portnoy is doing the bar stool fund and like raising all this money for small business and restaurants and i was like i kind of wanted to do something that could catch on as well and i saw these realtors it's like four of the realtors four or five realtors in salt lake they went to breakfast and they all left a $100 tip. It was like a $500 tip and the waitress is balling and I'm just like, this is so great. Like We could totally do this every week. And then I was like, hell yeah, I'm gonna do it every week. Like I'm just gonna do that. And then I was like, if I make videos of it, like cause I'm getting choked up watching this one I watched. I'm like, I think we could get other people to do it too. So the whole point was to start a movement. And so long story short, we've been going, I think 16 weeks now, every single week, we've gotten a group together once a week, gone to a different restaurant. Everyone brings a hundred bucks for the tip. And we leave these giant tips. You know, we've yeah. had as few as, I think, six people. We've had as many as 100. Uh, but every week we're going, like last week we went to uh, Denny's over in Midville, and 26 of us left a $100 tip for our one waitress. 2,600 bucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So amazing. And she was just hustling. She's getting all crying, and she's like, my car broke down. And this, I mean, every single person has this story of like what's going on, right? And um, like one of the waitresses, we found out later, like, She had been raped when she was little and she got pregnant. She decided to keep the kid Um, and the kid just had all sorts of issues. And she's just been battling her whole life. And like we showed up on a day where she really needed it. And just these different stories, you keep hearing one after another. It's just really special to be able to, you know, I guess like show up for people. Like I always try to be guided, like I said. And um, one of the questions I ask myself every day is like, all right, who needs me today? Lead me to those that I can serve or that, you know, need my blessing. And this is one way to do that. And what's been cool is I get three or four people a day send me a message on Instagram. They're leaving $100 for their tip. I mean, there's literally been hundreds of them that I have not posted. I've posted a lot of them, but it's like people are going to think I'm annoying if I just post them all. But like there's been over 40 now different dinner clubs that have gone out and done this. Yeah, I'm seeing people like in
0: Oklahoma now. Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Wisconsin. There was a group in Columbia. They did the 100 peso uh challenge it comes to about 30 bucks a person it's like huge right um there was a group in germany that did it and so it's been really fun man really cool to watch it spread and again it all goes to that like just go out and do cool things it's a really fun way to live i mean you came to one of them you Mm -hmm. saw how fun that night was was fun you know it's just for a hundred bucks how can you get better entertainment than that
0: yeah so let's say someone listening wants to join the hundred dollar dinner club
1: yeah, I would encourage you first to just do one yourself. Yeah. Like, you don't need to come to mine. And if you yeah. want to come to mine, you're more than welcome. We do it in Utah once a week. Follow me on Instagram. I always post where and when we're doing it. And so you can join ours. But I encourage you to just throw one of your own. Just call up yeah. your buddies and say, hey, let's all get together and do the hundred dollar dinner challenge and go out to dinner and do it. Yeah.
0: And so it's been really fun to watch and see. It's been inspiring too. And there's been a couple times where I'm just like at a restaurant by myself and it's like twelve bucks. I'm just like, shit, I got
1: to do a, a $112 lunch down the street. I know. So. Well, I made a rule. I'm going to leave the $100 tip anytime I go out now. And so yeah. well, I started thinking about it. I'm like, maybe it's 200, 250 times a year. Cause I go out a lot. You yeah. know, I like to eat out and stuff. And I'm like, that's still only 25,000 bucks. Like I spent that on a couple stupid baseball cards last week. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I can leave this $100 tip and leave these differences. So I'm just going to, every time I go to dinner, I've been doing this. And it's funny cause I went on a date a couple weeks ago. I was like, we went to dinner, it's like the $100. Then we went to the comedy club, and it's like another $100. am like, oh, yeah. shit, this does get expensive. <laughs> it adds but up it was like, quick. but then even I had that thought, like, I'm human, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, this adds up quick. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the guy freaking runs out in the parking lot. He's like, bro, thank you. So you have no idea what this means. And it was like, of course, I'm just supposed yeah. to do that, you know? And so all the stories that we don't hear, those are the ones that are probably the coolest. Yeah. Um, you know it's happening everywhere. And um, I think it's helped in general. Just so many people have seen it. In general, even if people aren't leaving a hundred dollars, I think people are leaving a lot more in their yeah. tips. So if you can't, if you
0: can't leave a hundred dollars. Leave a hundred percent.
1: Totally. Right. Whatever you can. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So it's been fun, man.
0: Yeah, it's really, it's really inspiring. You know, you really embody this. You know, energy of like literally, holy shit, we're alive, mm. and it's really inspiring to see. And so, one thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap up, you know, last year was crazy. It was, I mean, with Black Lives Matter and the pandemic and the election, we were never more divided. I felt like, in my experience, For in sure. my 32 years of life, yep. I've never experienced more division, especially with social media, where everyone has a platform, everyone has a voice. You can, you know, you can find the conversation to go dig into. And one thing I have respected about you is, you know, you mentioned you were libertarian-leaning right. I'd say more moderate-leaning left. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, a, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I, I don't like Trump at all, and I totally agree with you. That, I mean, I'm the vibes guy; he totally lowered the vibration. But uh, one thing I've always respected about you is you would post your more leaning right comments on Twitter. And I would kind of come back with the more leaning left comment. And one thing I've always respected by you is that it never, I never felt like it was going to affect our friendship. I never felt like it was going to affect, um, you know, cause negativity between us where it, in other conversations it had. Mm. And so, you know, I think that's really, really inspiring because, you know, I know I have a right to believe whatever I want and I know you have the right to believe whatever you want. I'm not saying I'm right, you're wrong or whatever, but moving forward, it feels like this, this 2020, you know, cluster F, whatever that was, is kind of closing up and there's light at the end of the tunnel. And so what advice would you have for people who, or it seems like we're all going to be coming back together here soon. Um, what advice would you have for everyone to kind of like mend those bridges?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's always been, I try to surround myself with people with opposite opinions. Like, you know, Colin Cowherd says this all the time. He says, try to get it right, not be right. Mm. Right. And so I've always like, I'm open to the idea that my mind should be changing all the time. Mm. Like I'm over here like, Hey, I have my ideas. I have my thoughts. But if you're not open to hearing different ideas and differing opinions, like you're pigeonholing yourself into this spirit. And it's just a, it's a sad place to be. You see people that get stuck in these where they can't hear any outside opinion. It's like, if you truly think all of your opinions are the right opinion, like, come on. Like mm. when people say to me, like, we used to think this way, I used to do this. I'm like, yeah, I know. And then I learned some new information. Like, thank God I am able to just admit that, like, I, I always say this, I reserve the right to change my mind anytime I want. I'm seeking information, but Brene Brown says it really well. You know, anytime you lean into somebody and truly get to know them, you're probably going to be okay with their opinion because you'll at least understand where it comes from. Mm. Like it's, my brother, the thing that bothered me the most when he was coming at me a month ago is he never once bothered to ask me about my journey. He's never asked me about my journey with the church, with psychedelics and plant medicine, all these different things. He just made some assumptions and came at me because he didn't want me talking about it in a public forum, right? And I was like, geez, man, like true love is understanding. Like you've never bothered to ask me my opinion. And so what I tell people is like lean into people. Try to understand where they're coming from. If somebody has a strong opinion about something – maybe ask them about it. Where does that come from? Why do they have that opinion? You know, I've bit my tongue a few times when I almost said something and then you find out that girl was raped when she was 18 or that girl, like, whatever. Like, maybe she has some opinions that you don't agree with or he has some opinions you don't agree with on something. But then you find out, like, their story or their history and you're like, oh my gosh. Like, good thing I didn't say anything. Yeah. Like, well, of, course course yeah, of course they think of Yeah, of course. I How could you not think that way, right? right. like, and again, like, some things come back to me. But I just say, like, be very careful... I can't emphasize this enough, Doug. Be very careful of anybody trying to make you feel like a victim. That is like the key to life, I think. Um, If somebody's telling you you're oppressed or like all these things, you're a victim, like they're probably right. You probably are oppressed. You probably are a victim, but it doesn't serve you. And so like truly take ownership of your own ability and power to overcome whatever comes your way. Like we have that godlike attribute that we can overcome. We can create the lives that we want. And so just be careful of anyone telling you Less of that. And then also I always say well, as far as it comes to other people's opinions, like, you know, get to know somebody and then all of a sudden you don't care if they don't have the same opinion. Like how beautiful is that? I hate that the algorithms on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter push you to like-minded people. Together, yeah. yeah, I purposely go on YouTube and I'll watch the Young Turks or I'll watch Bill Maher or I'll watch something left leaning just so that it screws up my <laughs> algorithm and keeps me feeding me the other side. Like I wanna yeah. get the information. I I'll Put CNN on just for a minute on my phone just so it screws up the algorithm. Like I don't want to just get libertarian-leaning ideas. I don't want to just get right-leaning ideas. Like I'm very open, you know. Like I want to have deep conversations. Like I think one of the best things I ever read was the book Freakonomics. They have all these weird arguments. Like one of them's against realtors, you know. And I'm like, wait, I got another side on that. Mm-hmm. And then another – because that's what I do obviously, right. Another one is an, uh, they talk about abortion and how that's what got rid of the gang – problem of the United States and I'm like holy cow my mind's getting blown right now but these new ideas and new thoughts like that's what we need we need to inject ourselves with enough different ideas and that's where people like Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan I think do that really well they try to bring on all sides and opinions and that's what I've tried to do with my podcast you know I had the leader of Black Lives Matter on my podcast I had the guy that wrote the number one book, an active LDS member of the church, of the history of blacks in the priesthood. I had all, when the race riots were going, I tried to bring people from different sides of that to get different opinions, right? And then people can make their own opinion of what it all means to them. I want to talk to other people. I want to talk to people that don't think the way I do because it challenges me and it makes me question my own thoughts and my own you know, learning. But um, I just think it's fun, man. It's fun to learn, it's fun to, like thank goodness we don't all think the same. Thank goodness we have differing ideas And I think we got to get back to respecting each other and and just honestly being able to have those discussions because the number one threat that we have right now is people trying to silence opinions. Like we want to bring in all opinions from all sides and then people can make a decision that works for them but this idea of censorship and stuff that's scary to me i think uh, what makes america great is the ability to say and you know really be able to think the way you want and then let that kind of guide your life
0: yeah and hopefully you know we can come together as like human beings you know as after as this you know vaccine and pandemic wraps up and we won't be so divided so yeah it's something i'm really looking forward
1: to yeah i one thing i've tried to do the whole pandemic like you know i've been very anti the whole pandemic and the mask wearing and because to me it's much bigger than that it's taking away our liberties and i won't get into all that but i've been from day one very anti lockdown, anti don't go see your friends um and so one thing i've tried to do is get groups of people together this entire pandemic i've been doing it that's the hundred dollar dinner club has a little of that behind it i've been doing poker nights i've been doing parties I've been traveling and getting events put together different things because I believe that above all else for mental health and all these other risk factors that granted the pandemic and the COVID has its like death rate and all that but if you look at the deaths from suicide and all these other things I was you know on a podcast last week a guy that runs a a rehab center and he said they have a thousand percent rehabs because of the pandemic it's like you can't forget all these people that are you know, that are suffering and that are living in fear and how that's going to affect them for years and years and the deaths from all that. And so for me, I kind of took it as my opportunity or job or whatever it was, my responsibility to get people together because I truly feel that people need to be in front of people. We need to have our mask down. We need to be smiling, looking each other in the eyes. We need to be spending that time sharing love and feeling each other's energy, feeling that love, feeling that person's pain or empathy and for that person, whatever it might be. And so for me, the key to getting over all this stuff is truly getting back physically being in the same place as other people and sharing those moments and those experiences
0: love it. summer 2021 is going to be lit it's going to be lit it's going to be lit. Yes. cool last question what is your uh, what are you looking forward to in 21 what's your big what's your big main goal if you have one or something Something trying to accomplish
1: um so i have a bunch of like work goals and things like that um you know the thing that it's funny because i turned 40 um you're turning forty uh, this year, yeah, dude. I don't look at her over the hill, up, Jimmy. I know. So Dang. I turned forty October seventh, and I made a list of stuff about five, six years ago of things I wanted to accomplish by my fortieth birthday. Yeah. And one of them was to have a best-selling book, which I did. Um, one of them was to help my assistant, and my brother, be financially free, and in a way, they kind of are. Um, another one was to visit a hundred countries, which pandemic really screwed it's me on that on one. That but one. I'm still over seventy, and yeah. we're still we've been to a couple countries together. Yes, yeah. we have. Yes, and I'm still going for that. Um, uh, you know I had all these I, one was to take my family on a dream vacation I did that and then one of them was to be 8% body fat on my 40th birthday the best shape I've been in my life and I gotta be honest dude as you get older it is harder to stay yeah. in good shape and so I've been on this journey just the last few weeks I've really started pushing and um, bought my Peloton and dude it is so much easier to run with that thing God bless them um, but the biggest thing the most exciting thing I'm looking forward to is I'm going to be at 8% body fat on my 40th birthday and a lot of those other goals of been accomplished. Timestamp
0: so. this. Oh yeah. Mark it. Mark yep. it down. Yeah. All to do that. Yeah. i have been holding
1: myself to that. Cool. Jimmy, where can we find you? Uh everything I do, everything I post, whenever I'm speaking, or have a book or whatever come out, or a blog post or a podcast, I put it all on my Instagram. And so Instagram is the best place to find me, which is Mr. Jimmy Rex. And uh yeah I'd love to if you ever have questions, anything I can help with, please feel free to reach out. I respond to anybody that asks a real question, like yeah. if it's an actual you know message. Um but happy to help in any way I can and Um, Keep doing good wherever you are in the world. Just up the frequency any way you can. I love it. Jamie, you're the man. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Thanks, it.